tuned in to Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. Welcome to the Village Vision Podcast, where community collaboration and care converge. I'm Dr. Crystal Morrison, and I'm honored to be your host on this incredible journey. As a firm believer in the power of a united village, I'm thrilled to bring you inspiring stories, research, and projects that break down barriers in child and family care. Through heartfelt conversations with experts, advocates, and those with lived experiences will showcase the transformative impact of collective support. So join me on the Village Vision podcast as we explore the remarkable collaborations that lead to better outcomes, foster a sense of community, and inspire action to improve care for ourselves and everyone around us. On today's episode, I'm here with my friend Tessa Watkins. Tessa is an autistic programmer that loves using technology to find solutions. Tessa is also the founder of All Rise Creative, where they focus on helping startups and small businesses grow. Tessa is also the creator of Just One Voice, an amazing resource focused on autism, gender and sex topics, anti-racism, parenting, and advocacy. Welcome, Tessa. Sounded so fancy. I was trying hard not to dim with my mouth while you're going. <laughs> you you go, are fancy. You are fancy, <laughs> but you you've got your 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 hand gizmo there that you can I, play yep. with. I really just wanted to like make those popping noises. I'm like, no, they're sounding fancy right now. I gotta. <laughs> We're going to sound fancy. All right. (laughs) Well, Tessa, I I definitely want to talk about your current work because you're doing some really, really cool stuff. Um, But as with everybody that's on the Village Vision podcast, there's always a big why behind the things that we're doing. So can you talk a little bit more about your personal story with us and, and what led you to uh, create All Rise Creative and Just One Voice? Ah, uh, well, I think, let's see, how far back to go is always the question. <laughs> <laughs> I think in pictures, not in words. So I'm like trying to translate them into words. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in general, uh, I just want to help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the deep seated, like I need to be needed or I I need to be wanted in, in some kind of way. Um, so with All Rise Creative, it started off just being a little freelance uh, web development thing where, you know, a friend would want a website. Okay, I'll just, you know, whip you up a website real quick because mm-hmm. I have those skills and you have that need, you know, let's get together and do it. And then it came into one because I, I also work full time for an advertising agency. So I know what the enterprise companies are paying Mm -hmm. and the value that they're getting for that. And I can see, you know, just by being a customer and how all these websites are very capitalistic and upselling you. And I'm like, wow, like it is really hard 
to make these decisions if you didn't know what you were doing. So with nonprofits and just small businesses, people who are just doing it by themselves and just trying to make a living or make a change, it's like they don't have those resources. So I want to be that resource where if you need a website, but you don't know where to start, like I can, I can help you and I can guide you and I'll, I'll make it budget friendly mm-hmm. <laughs> and not upsell you on those crazy things where it's just ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Very expensive. (laughs) You could be paying so much money just for a website and all you get is like this basic thing and it's what you wanted, but you didn't realize how much, like how little work went into making it because it's a lot, a lot automated processes with on the back end. So you end up paying 20 and $30 a year for these fancy packages because they do it for you. Mm -hmm. When it's really a 10 minute job, (laughs) you just install it one time and it's like, wow. Yeah, I even created this service called emergency website service, where I I pitch saying if I can fix it in 45 minutes or less, it's free. And you don't have to be an existing customer, you know, just call me or well, don't call me, I'm not gonna answer the phone, but text me, (laughs) or send me an email or schedule a zoom thing. And, you know, 45 minutes or less, I'll fix it. Maybe leave me a review if you want. And so far, I've not had anyone needing to pay. That's that. great. And I've gotten a few good reviews on that one. That's fantastic. Um, I wanted to also talk about just one voice. But mm-hmm. before we go there, you know, I, I'm unfortunate and I know a little bit about your story and that you were diagnosed, first self-diagnosed as an adult with autism spectrum disorder. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your personal journey and and really discovering that self-diagnosis and all of the things that you've done to learn and understand more about who you are as an adult, as an autistic adult. Well, so I think it's a very fun story, personally, because <laughs> it seems like one of the most autistic ways possible. Um, <laughs> so, and this was all before COVID. So uh-huh. we all got together, didn't need to worry about masks, but I was part of a neighborhood book club. Mm-hmm. And I joined the book club because I'm thinking, this is what fancy people do. <laughs> we join <laughs> book clubs. Like, I'm in my 30s now. I should be acting like a 30-year-old. So apparently we get together and read. <laughs> or not you don't actually read in the book club you read outside of the book yes. club and you get together and talk about the books you read so that was confusing to me at first but uh-huh. <laughs> I never recommended books because all of the books I read were young adult books and uh-huh. these are people ranging from 30s to 60s so probably not ideal reading <laughs> young adult fiction <laughs> But I really appreciated the books that they chose because I wanted to to learn about, you know, how to adult. <laughs> yeah. Um, so someone had suggested the book, The Rosie Project. Yeah. Um, by Graham Simpson, I think his name is pronounced. And The Rosie Project is about an autistic adult. He is a geneticist, you know, in the field. And it, it's a love story. And it, there, there's definitely some uh, stereotypes in there. Sure. But when I was reading the book, I'm like, wow, this guy's so cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, it, and it does say outright that he's autistic. So it's not like it's an autistic coded character. Like, this is mm-hmm. real representation mm-hmm. of us. And I'm like thinking like, okay, well, the way he has his meals planned out, like that's fabulous. I, I want that. The way he has all these things you know thought out and even the way the author has written 
because it's in third person. So you get to mm-hmm. get into their thoughts as well as the thoughts of the people around them. And when they describe how people react to this character, that is very relatable because I'm like, wow, people have reacted to me in that way. But I definitely had the same thought and was confident in this moment and had no clue why I was getting the reactions I would get. Yeah. So, so I was like super hard relating to this guy. And uh, when it was time for the book club, I'm I'm coming in book club. I'm so excited to talk about this book, to tell all these people how well I relate and how it makes sense. And it's yeah. awesome. And I found myself in this. And then when I got in the book club, the mood was like complete opposite. Everyone was pathologizing it. I don't know if I said that word. I've only yeah. written down. Um, but it was just like, oh no, it's such a shame that he has autism or, uh, uh, and, and saying like, I don't know why someone would think that way. And I immediately was like feeling the vibe or like, oh, this is not a safe place to be excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I just then kind of sank into the back of the room and was just listening to this conversation where it was like my first real experience of being around people deliberately talking about autism and it was not a good vibe because before then I probably knew that the word autism existed but I never really had any exposure to that language or yeah. anything in that community so I'm like not even the autism moms none of yeah, that like because yeah. I just went through public school you know scraped the mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel shuffling through and that was it <laughs> mm-hmm. you know so then I you know was in therapy for other things and uh-huh. I had mentioned to my therapist I'm wondering if I'm autistic you know mm-hmm. and then I you know told them the same story that I just told you about this book and then they were like might be do you want information of someone who can, you know, assess you? Uh And I'm like, okay, you can send me that information. (laughs) And then I didn't open the email for a couple months. (laughs) Cause like, I I just had it sitting there on, on, on Rick. So I'm like, do I want to know? Yeah. Do do I I want to go down the path? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is this going to mean if I go down this path? You know, what's it going to do for me? What's it going to do for others? How is the world going to see me? Am I now going to be, you know, that person that they talked about in the book, is that how my neighbors Mm -hmm. are going to treat me? Yeah. If, is that how the world is going to see me? But I kind of figured they already see me that way anyway. (laughs) At least that's what all the kids in the high school, in the school playgrounds did. Uh, (laughs) So like, even if adults can't see that you're autistic, you know, little Jill on the playground definitely can. So, Mm -hmm. well, there's really nothing to lose at this point. I'm already settled and privileged in a lot of areas where getting a diagnosis was not going to negatively affect my life. So I thought, let's try it. Let's go for it. Let's see what mm-hmm. happens. So I scheduled that and took a couple of weeks to get the thing. But sure. leading up to it, I went down so many, <laughs> so many rabbit holes. Like my whole brain yeah. was just, what is autism? Is it worth spending this money to get the evaluation? It's uh-huh. like, it's to me, it was like, it wasn't worth it unless I knew it was going to come out. Yes. <laughs> like I, I needed to be sh- I needed to be sure that the answer was like I I don't know it, it was kind of funny because like I didn't want to go and be like well no you're not and I'm like well then why did I spend all this money just for you to tell me I'm not <laughs> yeah and and not have any help right <laughs> right yeah it's well now it did be rule that out what happens what happens like, mm. I don't know so I ended up joining so many Facebook groups mm. I joined TikTok for the first time <laughs> and was just kind of immersing myself in groups that were for autistic people right because that that's the boat that I was going in at the at the time I had 
an infant so I wasn't uh-huh. even concerned about their well-being and whether mm-hmm. or not they were autistic it was all about me so I didn't even think about joining groups for for parents of autistic parents. people mm-hmm. it was just groups for autistic adults mm-hmm. so eventually I remember the night before I was just scrolling around on Facebook and there was like this meme that came up and it said, um, if you think you're trying to trick yourself into believing you're autistic, stop that right now. Non-autistic people don't do that. And I just kind of sat there and stared at it. I'm like, what do you mean non-autistic people don't do that? Does not everyone have this identity crisis of whether or not they're autistic? <laughs> so then I, I turned huh. to my husband and I just showed him the picture. I said, is this true? And he just kind of looked at me like, <laughs> duh, I don't think I'm autistic. There's no reason why I think I'm autistic. There's nothing that would indicate that. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> and then, of course, I then followed it up with taking three or four of those online tests to yeah. make sure that it still scored. Because like I was consistently taking these tests to make sure that yeah. I still scored in the autism range. Because the minute I wouldn't, I'd be like, okay, let's cancel the appointment. <laughs> right. But yeah. I needed that validation all the way through. Mm-hmm. And then the morning of the appointment, I had such a panic attack. Uh, yeah. I was wearing a Fitbit at the time. And for the two hours leading up to my appointment, it said I was in the fat burning zone. Wow. <laughs> and all I did was walk around and pace. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know that I was allowed to stim. So I only did those socially appropriate stimmings. Like, right walking and pacing walking around and pacing yeah Mm -hmm. I I now have allowed myself to flap and rock and Mm -hmm. I sometimes do this guttural moaning thing sometimes Mm -hmm. when I'm in the car but I'm still kind of embarrassed by it so I don't do it in front of people but Mm -hmm. I'm figuring out how to cope in ways that my body wants me to cope rather than like masking all the time Mm -hmm. but yeah that was super anxiety (laughs) so I you just going back to that book Mm -hmm. club I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and I can only imagine how difficult it was you know being so excited feeling like you just totally identify with this character that there's so many things that they're doing and saying and experiencing that you understand and you identify with and then going into this room and all of these people having this sort of perspective oh that's such a shame how you know how could somebody think like that or whatever and how isolating that must have felt to you like you're you're just so excited because you have this character who you really understand and everybody else is wow that's that's really unfortunate yeah (laughs) did you just sit there were you able to have a conversation did you go back to book club um well I'm not in the book club anymore but not because of that yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) mostly because I just don't read a lot Uh (laughs) go figure I didn't really participate in that one and I more or less only talked about it with other people months later after Mm. I had considered getting the diagnosis and was waiting for my appointment to arrive and was doing that because it didn't feel safe in the in that room Mm -hmm. Uh, with all of the people but it felt safer with a few trusted people yeah that I knew would be like oh yeah you know that that makes sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. there was that kind of you know it was still seeking the validation where I didn't want to be questioned in the sense of oh why would you think you're autistic you know I didn't want that because then I have to 
go through a whole checklist that of yeah. course I made of saying, well, here's why I think I'm autistic, mm -hmm. but you're not the person who's evaluating me. So I really don't want to go through it with you mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so to talk a little bit more about just one voice, because, you know, as we talked before and talking before we started recording, mm -hmm. you said, you know, <laughs> when you're in, you're all in right? And these rabbit holes and everything, but that has led to you creating just one voice, your website, which is this just amazing archive of resources and your perspective on things, which I find incredibly refreshing as a parent of a now autistic adult. Okay. So I have absolutely valued and appreciate your perspective, but after you knew and you delved into just researching and researching and researching, what led you to creating this resource, Just One Voice? <sighs> so this was something that we briefly talked about before we started recording. Yeah. One of the best ways that I learn is by reteaching. So in school, when you would be doing spelling tests or flashcards, I would be the person that holds the flashcards and quizzing other kids because I, I liked being the teacher and that's how I ingested the information the best. It helped me like process it and then reprocess it. Mm -hmm. So with just one voice, it first started off being where I just created a Facebook page so that I could essentially just publish out thoughts and, and mingle with other autistic pages and just kind of find community and, and some education and spreading that information. And then when there were a lot of a need for people always like, well, I want to share this outside the group. I know so-and-so that want that, mm -hmm. that would benefit from this information. It was a private group and not everyone likes Facebook. So yeah. I would, you know, usually give them permission. Like, yeah, go ahead and, you know, screenshot that, take it out of the group, show it to your partner. Like, that's great. That's fine. And then there were other resources. There were some news articles specifically about some historical figures in the history of autism that I wanted to kind of share. I'm like, look, this is why I advocate about these things because these are some elements from the past, but they weren't user-friendly. They were in like PDF views. Screen readers couldn't read them. They just weren't very accessible in this yeah. digital age. Let's copy and paste them, type it up, you know, save the images and, and make this accessible so it could be shared. And, and that's really what this was born out of was just kind of making existing resources accessible. And then it turned into me writing <laughs> um, for new stuff and, and adding my thoughts to these because I realized like, well, this is my website. I'm allowed my yeah. input too. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's really where it took off. And then I had, you know, when I was being a parent and we were in the, the baby phase, we did cloth diapers and I've had several people ask me, oh, you know, what were the cloth diapers you used and what did you use for this and that? And I didn't want to, in, in, in people that were even pregnant as well, like, I don't want to give you unsolicited parenting advice because that's the worst. So here's this website with my parenting advice, by all means, you know, if it's on the internet, then it's not unsolicited. You literally went there to get it. <laughs> yeah. Check it so, out if you're interested. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you want to do cloth diapers, because I'm 
and I learned about the terms crunchy and silky and <laughs> I am neither of those things so <laughs> and then I learned about the word scrunchy and I'm like let's go with that yeah <laughs> that seems to be the word because yes we did use disposable diapers when we needed to but then we also did cloth diapers to save on budget in the environment because we care yeah. about those things, but not to like the detriment of our mental health. So, <laughs> yeah. so we're in the middle. We're, you know, believe ourselves to be sensible parents, you know, trying to do better. Scrunchy. So yeah, the scrunchy. So <laughs> the that's scrunchy. And of course, I'm thinking of the scrunchies from your, with your hair bands. With your like, hair. That's, that's ridiculous. But, yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's where it's okay. There's like some parenting advice in there. And then, of course, I was going down, you know, I'm white, so I'm trying to help other white people learn about anti-racism, mostly so that we don't have to put that burden of labor on our Black, Indigenous, Asian, mm-hmm. and other people of color, basically the white people teaching the white people. I- I'm not coming up with my own thoughts about anti-racism. Yeah. I'm more or less using, so that particular area of the website, it's not super fleshed out. But mm-hmm. I'm working on essentially amplifying other voices and bringing that content in. So the first uh, video on there uh, was by Anna Akana. Oh, it was one of my favorite videos on it because it had so many nuances of stuff that I had never even heard about. Black mm-hmm. fishing. Didn't know that was a thing, but now I do. And it, mm-hmm. it talked about covert racism. You know, I have some Italian cousins and they would be like, look how dark I am because they would get really dark in yeah. the summer. And I didn't tan at all. I just went straight to burning. And I'm, and I'm realizing now how problematic that kind of conversations are when you're, oh, look, I'm almost as dark as you. <laughs> yeah. No, let's not let's not do that yeah so uh, a lot of resources that I tend to reshare on social media mm-hmm. I would put it on my Facebook page or on my uh my website but like let's just reshare it here so like it was my essentially my personal resource hub of oh I remember a thing where do I find it I'm just going to search my own website for it yeah yeah and, yeah and and put that up there but it makes total sense because back to what you were saying you learn best when you are teaching and sharing. Mm-hmm. And so it, it makes it makes complete sense. I want to touch on something briefly, because I, I would love your perspective on it. And if you're mm-hmm. not comfortable, that's totally fine. But you are a mom, you have a, a child who is entering school, you are an autistic adult. What are some things that you wish autism moms and dads <laughs> and parents knew? What is it something that you really wish they knew? or wish they appreciated about which part or is that about (laughs) about their child okay who may be autistic yeah okay (sighs) well for starters I identify as a parent not necessarily a mom because I'm non-binary and my husband is a husband but I still go by the title mama and wife on occasion but anyway one of the things that was confusing for my husband is that our daughter is four so she's entering school but I've been speaking making public comments at the school board meetings for probably over a year now maybe two years trying to work with them on certain things and the thing that confused my husband was why you don't Mm -hmm. have a kid in the school system yet why are you trying to deal with this stuff now And, you know, part of it was because by the time she gets into school, Mm -hmm. these are going to be the people that's going to be on the school board. Mm 
-hmm. these are the people that I already want to have a relationship with. They're going to know who I am before my kid starts the school right? and we figure out what's going on. But so I think one of the things that I would want other parents to know about their autistic child is that advocacy doesn't start when they start school. It starts That's when great. they're born, you know, it, and, and we do so much about trying to change the child to fit into our world. And I'm the complete opposite. I'm out here trying to change the world to fit my child, mm -hmm. which is why I am, you know, talking with school boards. And, and for example, one of the first things we got out were those um, AAC banners on the playgrounds. They're not uh -huh. at every single one of the school playgrounds, you know, for kids like mine and other, other kids that, you know, they can you point to these pictures to explain how they're feeling or what they want to play with. And they're like, I want to go on the slide. And so they, they can use this alternative communication method mm -hmm. just to play, you know, they, now communication is accessible to them, just, even mm -hmm. on the playground when they might not have their device at hand because they're right. playing tag, they're going down slides, they're being active, they're doing monkey bars, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <A> good time. <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, about their kid, when my little one was very young, I had my amazing pattern recognition skills, the way I just kind of looked at her and the way she processed the world. And I'm like, she doesn't like me. I like I picked up probably at like six, seven months old that she's, she has an autistic brain. And that was before I knew I was autistic. Mm -hmm. But I could see myself in her yeah, the way that she processed her surroundings and, and the sensory sensitivities, yeah. I could see she thinks more like me than like the other people. So it was exciting that way, for uh -huh. one. But it was also challenging to get on the same page with right. my partner and with neighbors, because at this point, not, not very many people believed me. And a lot of people were like, well, why do you want your kid to be autistic? Was the question I get. And because again, they still thought autism was something bad to have. Right. And they thought I wanted her to be autistic. And interesting. Like, well, yeah, it was, it, I, I thought that was really interesting. It was like, why is that the question? Yeah. You know, and why is it such a bad thing? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and deep down, maybe I did want her to be autistic. So I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at, at the same time, I think doesn't every parent want their child to be similar to them to have the same interests to be like mm -hmm. them because it's like a ready-made friend mm -hmm. kind of thing you know someone that you'll have a close bond with you know you want to have a good friendship with them and it's easier when you have the same neurotype I think mm -hmm. at least you know the same communication style someone that can relate to you and understand you as you get older and you know I was told my husband I, I said like I don't know if she's autistic I feel like she mm -hmm. might be but, you know, when I read up on techniques on how to raise autistic children, specifically things about like gentle parenting and respectful mm -hmm. parenting, it feels like all children deserve that. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I went and like, let's just do this as if she was autistic, because she'll benefit whether she is or not. Sure. And that's the thing is, it's not a problem until it's a problem for other people. Yeah. And when you're little, little, you're one and two years old, you're still figuring out you don't have those expectations to be neurotypical. You, your expectations right. are being neurodivergent. It's only around the age of three, when is, you know, three and four is the popular age for being diagnosed, because that's when 
people start seeing those differences. Right. Well, that's when neurotypicals start seeing right. those differences. Right. Like I, I've been seeing them so early on, but uh-huh. I was looking at how she processed the world, not how she was a burden for me or how she Agreed. was developmentally delayed compared to other people or like other kids her age range. Mm-hmm. So it was instrumental that we got her early intervention with mm-hmm. uh, the resources that we had here in Allegheny County. They were free of charge. And I would I loved it because they set us up with an occupational therapist and a developmental therapist and no diagnosis was required. They did an evaluation of skills. So they essentially looked for what are her lagging skills and right. let's address those. Right. So they helped her with her adaptive skills and emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. And when they would come over to the house and we essentially did sessions here at the house with me, I'm like, oh my God, that's how you regulate that? <laughs> so I felt like I was learning right alongside this kid in four years old. There's childs way better at emotional regulation than I am. Mm-hmm. And I felt really bad sometimes because like one of the things that I'm overly sensitive about is over parentification. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. laughing, but I'm not laughing. I know, I, I know. <laughs> I know. And it, it's something that was part of my childhood where uh-huh. I was parentified way too young. So people thought, oh, you're just very mature for your age. I'm like, oh, well, I yeah. shouldn't be. Let, let me just be a kid, please. Yeah. So I'm very hyper aware. Am I giving my kid too much responsibility? Am I relying Mm. on them too much? I don't want them to be my emotional support animal. I want them to be age appropriate. So if I'm having my own meltdown and crying and stuff, I don't want my kid to be like, they're there. But it's also at the same time, it's natural to see humans in distress. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and and it really worked on her empathy. So we would Mm -hmm. work on co regulation. And, you know, there was a lot more communication. And I think kids know a lot more than we give them credit for. Oh, for sure. They are so freaking smart. You know, I had uh, my kid, she was doing sign language. We did baby sign language since Mm -hmm. she was born because that was just one of my rabbit holes that I really wanted to do. (laughs) (laughs) And she was signing back to us at nine months old. Uh Uh-huh. It kind of makes you think kids can communicate. Well, they can't communicate. They know what they want. They have thoughts and feelings and Mm -hmm. desires from an early age and we just didn't have a means of communicating them. So all they do is cry, right? Yeah. You know, but if you give them the tools, whether it's AAC or sign language, mm-hmm. then they can communicate that to you. And it's much less crying. You know, even today, we still do the signs for water and milk uh-huh. and more. And when we're out in public, I'll yell at her in sign language. So I don't have to scream across the room at the trampoline park. I'll be like, you know, you, me, we're going home. You know, yeah. stop now. But that's co-regulation <laughs> for you too. Oh, like that, yeah, that's that's helping you regulate. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I very clearly remember when my now adult child was around three-ish, and he had just very, very significant behavioral challenges, dysregulation, sensory challenges. And once we started incorporating some sign language techniques at home and at his preschool, there were some things that subsided a little bit because he finally had, I mean, he was, he was verbal, but being verbal doesn't necessarily mean that you can identify all of the, the stuff that's going on in your body, you know, and, and it, and it did really help. I love that you, you tried that too, and still use it sometimes. 
Oh yeah. It's my daughter. She's also very highly verbal. She will talk mm -hmm. your ear off that, yeah. that she gets that trait from my husband. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but sometimes when she's really anxious and so she is diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, mm -hmm. she will become situationally mute and can't really verbalize her thoughts. And it's just so anxious at that point. So like even at a restaurant, I didn't know the signs for white milk and chocolate milk mm -hmm. and the restaurant person, you know, what would you like to drink? And I'm just, you know, touch your nose for chocolate milk, touch your ear for white milk. And I could see it in the server's face and they're like, oh gosh, this is going to lead into a meltdown because the kids got like, you know, their hands in their head yeah. and they're not going to talk. And to their surprise, the kid just, she went and touched her nose. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, she would like chocolate milk, please. Mm -hmm. You yeah. were picking up that she was shutting down. Yes. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to wrap up. And I just want to encourage everybody who's listening to check out Tessa's website, Just One Voice. It's J-U-S-T, the number one, V-O-I-C-E.com, Just One Voice. And I'm going to have Tessa tell you a little bit more about resources on the website, we will also have all of Tessa's contact information, Facebook, TikTok, all of the stuff we'll have in the show notes. But Tessa, tell us a little bit about what other things you would love for people to check out on your website and maybe some specific resources that uh, are helpful to autistic adults. Yeah. If you go to the website on the homepage, you'll see that there is essentially like those four categories, the autism gender and sex, anti-racism, parenting. And under the autism section, there's like all of this cool stuff. So I've got my big resources hub. That's mm -hmm. the number one thing. That's where I share around all of the Facebook groups that I'm in where it's like, in, and that has the table of contents. So like the first section of that is about supporting autism. And that has a lot of our community advocacy points, you know, why we advocate to not use functioning labels and why we mm -hmm. don't like puzzle pieces and, you know, mm -hmm. what's the deal with identity first language, ABA and, and self-diagnosis and things like that. But then there's also like categorized into stuff like, you know, here's my stories, some educational webinars. There was one, it's probably been two years ago now mm -hmm. called Understanding Autism Through the Actually Autistic Lens. There's 12 webinars. They are fantastic. I highly recommend checking them out, especially if you like videos and things. I've done a couple webinars. I've done talks. And one of the one that I've done was called uh, The History of Autism. It's like eight minute video of just going through the autism to white situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's other stuff like the hidden disability sunflower, the, my repeat appearances at the disability and mental health summit uh, mm -hmm. hosted by dan miller every year you know and just a bunch of cool things i think it really yeah. is a fantastic <laughs> resource and like i said i have always valued and appreciated your perspective because you're an excellent writer you explain things so well and i always value people that have a perspective that might have been different from mine it helps me see things in another way. Uh, I always really value that. So Tessa, thank you so much for joining us today on the Village Vision Podcast. I'm so grateful that you shared your story and your experience with our listeners and just really grateful for you being in the world and all of the great stuff you're doing. Thank you. I know it kind of sounds fancy, but now I got to make my noises again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that's about. Like, yeah. Just, <laughs> as soon as you get in your customer server voice, 
Yes, yes, we have been super fancy today. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Village Vision Podcast. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights from our conversation today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review, and share. But thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Village Vision Podcast here on Word of Mom Radio. Take care and let's keep shining a light on the power of community, collaboration, and care. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true. She is brave, she is brave, she is bold, she is bold, she is you, she is you, she is you, she is you, she is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true. She is brave, she is brave, she is bold, she is bold, she is you, she is you, she is you, she is you. Sure of herself, yes, she takes care of biz, powerful and strong yes she knows who she is has integrity woman strong and true you know her by name see this woman is you she is sure she is sure she is strong she is strong she is true she is true she is brave she is brave she is bold she is bold she is you she is you she is you she is sure she is strong she is strong she is true she is true she is brave she is brave she is she is you Adds value and hope Has proved to be brave See it's never too late Never time to behave Reaching for dreams Doesn't matter the age Believes in herself Unleashed from her cage She is sure She is sure She is strong She is strong She is true She is true She is brave She is brave She is bold She is bold She is you she is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true.